Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. We're continuing our October theme, which is a conference preview with the podcast. And this week's edition, bringing you the SEC. By the time this is all over, I will have been at eight media days across the country. Visited with nine conferences. The only one I wasn't physically at was the Pac-12, but dealt with Pac-12 schools uh, before and during that media day. So last week I was in Birmingham, Alabama for the SEC Media Day. And look, the SEC is going to have, and we're going to talk to Chad Acock from Turner Sports about this. And I agree with him. There are going to be tiers. The top, sort of a middle, and a bottom that I would not dismiss. So before we get to our SEC headlines, one thing that you have to keep in mind as you are getting ready for the college basketball season, if you want to get to know these teams, who that you're going to be paying attention to, you got to go to March Madness and NCAA.com because that's where we've got the Power 36 out this week. That's where we've got teams under the radar that were in their, under consideration. That's where a couple times this week you're going to see other things that you're going to want to digest, such as breakout candidates. Last week it was freshmen we weren't talking about great rosters in the history of their schools, or at least the last quarter century. The week before, we had our glue team, players that need more love. All those kinds of things are available to you at NCAA.com and March Madness. So, season starts two weeks from Tuesday, November 5th, Madison Square Garden. Okay, One of the schools in the tip-off in the Champions Classic from the SEC, they're in it every year, that's Kentucky. There is a bit of a tear, though, this year in the SEC. And you look at the additions, like, you know, they pick up Blackshear at Florida. Florida is a top 10 team. Kentucky's a top 10 team, and that, without question. All right, so that was Mississippi State head coach Ben Howland talking at SEC Media Day about the fact that Florida and Kentucky can be in the top 10, top 5, and I think they will this season. Florida got all the pieces in place. Scotty Lewis comes in, Kerry Blackshear transfers, Kenyatta Johnson's back. They have Andrew Nemhard returns. Mike White's got a squad. They're as deep as they've been under Mike White. And he went to the lead eight a couple years ago. Kentucky, Manuel Quickly, EJ Montgomery, Nick Richards, Ashton Hagens. You add that with Nate Sestina, a transfer from Bucknell, plus Khalil Whitney and Tyrese Maxey. And they got a squad. They are going to compete for the national championship, both of them. 
and they're going to finish in some order 1-2 in the SEC. I think we have every reason to be confident based on the work we put in. And, mm. uh, you know, that comes from the top down with how Coach Wade carries himself. You look around and you, you don't see Grant Admiral and those type of guys. So me and Lamonte talked about, you know, we got to be leaders. We got to step up. And that's one thing I'm continuing to work on is being a leader, being more vocal, and uh, just letting the younger guys know, you know how we do things about around Tennessee. We came to make history, and Auburn was doing it in everything else. Every other sport, that, that's how you do it. Recruit great kids, hire great coaches, be at a great university, and it can happen. All right, so you just heard from Skylar Mays from LSU, Jordan Bowden from Tennessee, and Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. That's sort of that next tier, okay? LSU, which had a phenomenal season last season, really all three of them, you know, in an era where it had been Kentucky and Florida in some order, LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn, they were the story last season in the SEC. And they're not dropping far. I'm not saying none of them can win the SEC, but I think they're in that next grouping. LSU, front court's going to be an issue for them because they lost a lot up front. Tennessee, it's going to be the front court as well and leadership. Auburn, great front court, new guards. Will they still shoot threes? Those are the issues for those three. We've had a lot of transition in head coaches this year. Typically, when you go through that much transition, you lower expectations. I actually think the people brought into this league elevate expectations, mm-hmm. if that's if that's possible for this, this conference. And that was Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, talking about the new head coaches. And all three of them really have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Alabama may have the best shot under Nate Oates with the return of Kira Lewis. Uh, then Arkansas under Eric Musselman, if they're healthy, Uh, Isaiah Joe delivers. They have a legitimate shot. The sleeper in this group is going to be Texas A&M and Buzz Williams. New team, new style, new demands, and yet there's a good buzz about the Aggies to not dismiss their possibility. So, three new coaches, good middle, and a top tier. We're going to go through all of this, all 14 schools in the SEC later in the podcast. And in this segment here on March Madness 365, I always like to get someone in these conference previews who knows the conference in and out, who will go back and forth with me. And I found that person in the SEC in former Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy, now with the SEC Network. Look, I'm going Florida and Kentucky. I think actually Florida could win the regular season and be in the Final Four. I think that's the hierarchy this season. What do you think? I think you're right. I think think the top three on paper – and that's what, what you look at in, in October, right, on paper. Uh, Kentucky, Florida, and LSU are three dynamic teams. I think Kentucky and Florida both are legitimate Final Four contenders. And I wouldn't put LSU out of that equation. Now, they lost a lot in Tremont Waters, Nas Reed, Cavell Bigby Williams inside. But they returned five of their top eight. They signed a high school All-American from right here in Mountain Brook, Alabama. So uh, they're going to come locked and loaded off a team that, that went 16-2 and two in league play last year. Then from four to 14, really, you can put them in a hat. It, it, there, there's four new coaches in this league. Obviously, uh, Stackhouse has taken over a situation at Vanderbilt where they went winless last year for the first time in the history of SEC basketball. His biggest challenge is going to be how can I get a team in which I'm not the best player? Right now he's the best player on the, on the floor, which is not good for a head coach. Uh, I think Buzz Williams is walking into a situation at A&M which I'm going to shock you a little bit. They could be this year's Ole Miss. Uh, they've got 
four returning starters. They've got an all-league potential guy in Savion Flag. They returned 74% of their offense from last year. And it's, a, and it's a culture that's used to winning. Remember, two years ago, Texas A&M was in the Sweet 16. So, again, very similar to Ole Miss. Have a, have a blip on the screen. They get rid of one Kennedy in Mississippi. They get rid of the other Kennedy in Texas. But now Buzz Williams, who we both know is a really, really good coach, he's going to come in there, different voice, talented team. It would not surprise me for them to make a huge move forward. All right, before we go to some of these other teams, let me, let me back up here. Uh, I, I just can't buy in yet on LSU as a Final Four team because of everything they lost up front. I don't disagree. So Don't disagree. Okay. Here's why I love Florida. Pretty much everyone back. You add Kerry Blackshear, who is the preseason SEC player of the year, and he hasn't played a, a game for Florida. Got to the Sweet 16 of Virginia Tech. Is, you know, hungry to advance more. Um, I, I just... You know, the pieces are just, I think, all there. Andrew Nemhard is your point. You know, uh, you know Johnson. I mean, they, they just feel like they've got – they're building to this. And, yes, I think Kentucky's right there as well. But personnel-wise, I'm going with the Gators. Well, I'll tell you this. I think Kerry Blackshire made a, a great decision. You're talking about surround yourself with shooters. Noah Locke. Uh, Keontae Johnson, who had a tremendous close to the season when Mike had to move him. He had to play super small ball. They were hurt all over the board. Andrew Nimhart is a guy. I called him earlier on set. I, I, I think he, he really reminds me of Peyton Manning, poise in the pocket. He's got size. He can see over people. High ball screen and roll, which is a staple under Mike at Florida. Black Shear, Nimhart, spacers all around, Scotty Lewis slash into the goal, Trey Mann who could make shots all day. I think they've got a lot of pieces as well. Kentucky. Love Kentucky. The reason that I would say now as a noted member of the media, <laughs> my counterpart, uh, I, I voted Kentucky one. Why? Because John Calipari has been there, done that. He lives in this expectation mode. A little different vein, not for Florida basketball, but for Mike in it. I saw Mike earlier. Obviously, Mike and I go way back. He worked for me for five years at Ole Miss starting out. Uh, tremendous respect for the job that he's done and the way that he has embraced everything that Billy Donovan had built there. I think they got a chance to make a real run, but I really like Kentucky. Four returners who I, I think they will all take a huge step forward. E.J. Montgomery, Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, and Nick Richards, the elder statesman. He's, a, he's the wise old junior, which you very seldom see. They picked up the postgrad that, that Cal's really high on, and I love his freshman class, as always. Auburn, it's going to be a completely different look. Usually Bruce is chucking it threes. You know, the run they went on last year was unbelievable. 454 made threes last year. Unbelievable. But they're going to have to be bigs this year. It's going to be bigs. They don't have the guards. Well, so what do you think of this Auburn team? Well, I think it's going to be different, but I think Bruce is a good coach. If, if you didn't know that before last year, now you know. Uh, they returned five seniors. I think it's all going to be contingent upon Austin Wiley. And is Austin Wiley the guy that was leading the under-19 Americans to the gold where everybody thought a couple of years ago, this kid's going to be a one-and-done. He's as good a low-post scorer as in college basketball. Injury, injury, can't get back right. If he's back right, and he looked great today walking around the ballroom here, the Grand Bohemian, I know it's a little bit different. But he looked great today, and, and, and if he's back to the all-SEC level that they project him, uh, I think Auburn will be different, but still very, very competitive. All right, so then you've got that sort of, I, don't, I wouldn't say muddled middle, but I think this could be bubblicious. It could be, you know, these four teams I'm going to throw at you. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and South Carolina. In October, I could put them in any order that could completely be different 
in February. I agree 100%. I, I think Reggie Perry, he got my vote for preseason player of the year. Over Blackshear. Over Blackshear. I think he is a tremendous talent and really was coming on last year. Him, Abdul Adu, you bring back. I've said this all day. I think that it's the strongest, deepest sophomore class of any conference in America. Robert Woodard is one of those sophomores along with Reggie Perry. But Robert Woodard is kind of unheralded. He's going to now be thrust into a more prominent role, and I think he'll respond in kind. Tyson Carter can make shots. Uh, and when Nick Weatherspoon comes back, Again, that is a pretty salty starting five that can hurt you in a, in a variety of ways. Love Ole Miss. Love what Kermit Davis has done there. Love Brian Tyree. If there's one player that I could take to lead my team from this event, it's going to be Brian Tyree. Most experienced guy returning in the league and very, very productive. Him and Devontae Shuler are going to certainly have a very, very potent backcourt. So they, can they get enough up front? Because, again, you've got to be able to win those battle of the backboards. I know Kermit's really, really high on some of the new guys he's got coming into the program. Uh, South Carolina, you know, I think Frank did one of the best jobs he's done in his seven-year tenure last year, going 11-7 and seven in the league despite – Fourth know, seat. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and having some, some injury issues, which probably kept him away from making a real run and getting in back to the NCAA tournament. I uh, love A.J. Lawson. Uh, he had a, a kid sitting out from George Washington that he's really, really high on. He gets Justin Manaya back, maybe his most versatile player. He thinks it may be his most talented team going into year eight. And then Tennessee. Come on, Rick Barnes, first ballot Hall of Famer, eight wins away from 700. Even though they lose Schofield and Williams up front, they still have Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden, who are the most experienced backcourt returning in the SEC. All right, so I'm, by the way, going to be wrong about Ole Miss because in the summer, I kind of was thinking of the Ole Miss that kind of faded a little down the stretch and wondered, you know, what they'd be at the front. And they used that as motivation, which I'm glad they did. And they were getting on me, Kermit and everyone else. And I'm gladly saying now that I will be wrong because they're going to be in the mix. I think you forgot that I'm not the coach there anymore, so you can move them up. Yes, I, I, I'm going to do that. All right, three others. We've almost we've gone 11 and 14 here. Um, two new coaches at Arkansas and Alabama. You got Eric Musselman at Arkansas, Nate Oates at Alabama, and then Mizzou with Conzo Martin, who's just been bese- like just crushed by injuries over the last couple of years. Right, what do you see with those three? Because I think Arkansas and Alabama could be anywhere. Well, I, let me start with Missouri because I, I just was talking to Conzo, and I, I want to tell you this. He's really genuinely excited. You know, he's not a real bubbly guy, <laughs> and he was really excited about his lineup. They returned three really talented sophomores. Mark Smith, maybe the best. If we were playing a game of horse today and you could take one out of the SEC, you'd probably take him. Had an injury at the end of last season. Now he's back whole. They had a young man from Evansville sitting out. Uh, Drew Smith, I believe the name is, who led the Missouri Valley in three three-point shooting, and Jeremiah Tillman is the key. This was a kid who, again, has an opportunity to be an NBA player. He's got size. He's got strength. He's got athleticism. He's got to stay in the game. He's got to stop fouling. I asked him earlier, how many how many parking attendants did you file when getting out of the van here at the Grand Bohemian? you got to stay on the floor, and if he does with the other pieces they have, Conzo thinks his team's got a chance to make a real run, and I think the media uh, projected them to be 13th, so there's a lot still in play. Uh, Eric Musselman, basketball lifer, comes into a situation where he's going to push tempo. They're used to that. He returns four guards led by Isaiah Joe, one of the best wing players in this league. Uh, brought a couple of postgrads with him. Jimmy Witt, who got 12 a game at, at SMU, and a young man from UNCW who he thinks is going to really help him. They're going to have to play small ball. Last year they were last in the league in rebounding margin, and they lose their best rebounder in Daniel Gafford, who's now playing for money at the next level. So they got to figure out a way to rebound the ball to be competitive. And then Nate Oates has done a tremendous job at Buffalo. 
he also wants to play with pace, and he is inheriting the fastest guy in the SEC in Kyra Lewis. I'm a huge Kyra Lewis fan. Remember, he should be a freshman this year because he came out a year early. John Petty, Herb Jones, Alex Reese, pretty good core. He's been he's he's had some injuries, you know, to to a couple of his freshmen, his junior college player, and his freshman uh, Gray went down with ACLs, which I think is going to hurt his depth. But I think their core is very very solid, as you said, Andy. Four through 14, you can probably throw them in a hat. It's going to be another exciting year. Yeah, I would say this. I'll end with this, that I think every team in the SEC comes into the season, and you can't say this in a lot of leagues, because I think maybe I could say this in the Big 12 with the 10, with a chance, you know, where you say legitimately if X and Y go right, we have a chance to make it. I mean, is that is that am I overselling it? I'm shilling. I don't work for the league. I mean, is that fair? No, I think you're right on because again, I think when you look at it top to bottom, there's such quality players. Uh, there's been an incredible commitment to the sport. The league is coming off 15 bids over the last two years, 12 wins in the NCAA tournament. Three years ago, South Carolina, first ever run to the Final Four. Last year, Auburn, first ever run to the Final Four. The traditional powers in this league in Kentucky and Florida are going to both be national uh, Final Four contenders. Uh, I think it's a great time for the SEC in men's basketball. Andy Kennedy, the other AK from the SEC Network. Thank you. My brother from another mother. Thank you, Andy. Before we get to our coaches and player interview from SEC Media Day, it's time for hashtag Cats Ranks. That's hashtag K-A-T-Z-R-A-N-K-Z. And keeping up with the SEC theme in this week's podcast, I'm going to rank the players in the SEC from 10 to 1. Let's start at number 10. Skylar Mays from LSU. All right. So the Tigers still have a lot of talent, but... They lost Tremont Waters at the point. Tremont Waters hit the basket that beat Maryland to advance LSU to the Sweet 16. Skylar Mays, he's going to be the player for the Tigers this season who's going to deliver in the big moments. He's at number 10. And number 9, A.J. Lawson from South Carolina. Frank Martin really high on not just Lawson, but the Gamecocks. He's got another elite point guard. He's back to lead South Carolina, I think, to the NCAA tournament. And number 8, Lamonte Turner. From Tennessee. It's now his team. And later up in the podcast, we're going to hear from Rick Barnes on that transition. But Turner, he's going to lead this team from the point, and he's up for the challenge. At number seven, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. You could go with Maxey. You could go with Khalil Whitney. Another elite freshman wing. He's going to get on the floor. He's going to score in bunches. He can defend. He's going to, he's going to deliver for the Wildcats. At number six, Andrew Nemhard from Florida hit a big shot, big three to knock off LSU last season. Flirted with the NBA draft, but he's ready to be an elite point guard, not just in the SEC, but also nationally. And, and possibly do what Chris Chioza couldn't do, which was get Florida to the Final Four. He was right there on the doorstep. They lost to South Carolina a couple of years ago at Madison Square Garden. But look, I don't want to disparage Chris Chioza. He had an unbelievable career ending uh, in his last win in that game against uh, the last one of that season with that win over Wisconsin coast to coast in the Sweet 16. All right, number five, Ashton Hagens returning at the point for Kentucky. Uh, a year ago at this time, he was not the starting point guard, not expected to be a leader for Kentucky. And now he is, he's in embracing it. And number four, Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Anthony uh, will be probably top three NBA draft pick. And will potentially get Georgia to 
the NCAA tournament. We'll see how it goes. But I love Anthony Edwards at number four in that top five. And number three, Brian Tyree from Ole Miss. So Tyree uh, comes back to Ole Miss. I undersold them in the offseason. I'm now back on the bandwagon. Uh, with Devontae Shuler, they got an outstanding backcourt. And Tyree could end up being one of the best scorers in the SEC. And number two, I'm going Reggie Perry from Mississippi State. He's a board man. He told me at SEC Media Day that he's got a skill set that he can make money. He knows it. I love that attitude. Uh, think of someone like Dennis Rodman, who rebounded, defended, dove on the floor, and made a ton of money. So he's got a great skill that will translate at the NBA level. And at number one, Kerry Blackshear Jr. from Florida. Transferred in from Virginia Tech, where he led them to the Sweet 16. Coming back home to Orlando. He's the SEC Preseason Player of the Year. He could be the reason that Florida reaches the Final Four under Mike White. And in this podcast, you're going to hear from Kerry Blackshear just momentarily. So that's our top 10. Hashtag Cats Ranks in the SEC. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. And Bruce, this is going to be a whole new look. Uh, you've relied on your guards, three-point shooting the last couple of years. What's this group going to look like? You're right, Andy. It's going to be totally different. You know, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, Chumo Kiki, those three kids were probably the best at their position ever played Auburn. We took full advantage of them. Five seniors come back, and they're good, and they're all going to play. But they're all playing different roles, all going from good, solid, complementary roles to dominating roles. I have eight newcomers, five seniors and eight newcomers, including six freshmen. So there's a tremendous learning curve. Could be, could be challenging early, play a tough early conference schedule. Isaac Coral's ready. Isaac Coral is one of the best defensive guards in the country right now, and he's a monster athlete, plays hard, plays unselfishly. So we got, we got a chance, but you're right. We don't have that experience in the backcourt. We won't shoot it quite as well. You got to adapt to your personnel. How much has that been a change for you that you maybe can't, you know, go at the same speed, maybe can't pressure the way you normally do and push the basketball the way you've always done? I'd say we're still going to be fast. Just because we're not, just because we're a little bigger doesn't mean we're slower. So we'll still play fast. We will throw the ball inside much more. The challenge there is there's more contact more opportunities to turn the basketball over. I've always believed that an open three-point shot is the best shot in in, in basketball, period. And we don't shoot it quite as well. Uh, Therefore, the defense won't be extending as much to guard us. Going to make it harder for us to get the ball inside. But we've got a couple dudes in there we can get it to, Austin Wiley for sure. And um, we'll press. We'll just press differently. And like you said, you got to go to your strengths. And what's it like to now have an expectation to win all the time? Well, it's good. I mean, it's what you it's what you want. It's what you work for. And so nobody has a higher expectation for me than me. And if Auburn can finish in the top seven of the SEC, we're going to the NCAA tournament, maybe even top eight. That's how good the league is. So um, that would be historic. We came to Auburn to turn the program around and make history. And so far, so good. And what way has your life changed since the Final Four? The visibility is incredible. I mean, you just you just the national recognition, no matter where you go. And I think a little bit of the respect, you get a little bit more of that saying, hey, I've always kind of followed you. And now that you get to be a Final Four coach, Andy, as you know, it's just a, it's the, it's the crown jewel of our profession. So feel very, very blessed, very, very grateful for Auburn giving me the opportunity to get there. And let's just see if we can continue to make it. It's, it's easier to get it done first than it is to keep it going. And so that's our challenge. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Andy. And now joining me here in March Madness 365, Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes. And Rick, uh, not rebuilding, 
sort of reshuffling, if you will. You got used to having Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams. You had such great veteran leadership. This group, what are your early, what's your early read and practice in terms of, you know, what the identity of this team will be? Well, Andy, we'll be different just because we had a guy that we threw the ball into in the post and everybody knew we were going to do it. This year, obviously, to start with, it'll shift more to the perimeter, playing through those guys. Uh, probably early and often and at the end of the game I think that's where it'll be too but as a year goes on who knows how it plays out because we're still going to work at developing the post game that we want to have and but those guys are really young guys with the exception of John Fulkerson and Eve Pons who we've moved back inside a little bit but uh, I love the leadership that this group is uh, Lamonte Turner and, and Jordan Bowden have really been good leaders and he picked it up in the spring when you'd expect him to in the graduation of those other guys and uh and the young guys have bought into their leadership. You've always done a great job, wherever you've been, of getting old and staying old. At what point do you think you're that at Tennessee right now, or at least for the most part, at least attempt to do that? Well, it would have been perfect if Grant Williams would have come back to scoring Jordan Bone. We'd have been right where we wanted to be. But even with that, you know, this year, you know, we're going to lose two key guys who have been a big part of our success. And, uh, I do think that you've got to you got to get older, and and you're and you're better, and if you can stay old, especially if you've got guards. But uh, next year, I think it'll be different. You know, we're going to lose our backcourt. Uh, we're excited about our recruiting class, but yet our post guys, who we think are going to be really good players, will be the older ones next year. And but uh, this group, we're excited because we really do have a great blend of older guys who have really been into some battles, and then we've got these younger guys who are going to find out pretty soon what it's about. What's it like to know now there's an expectation that, you know what, Tennessee's going to be good again. We don't know how good, where they're going to finish, but you've built it now already in a short amount of time that there's an expectation that you're going to be in the mix. Well, that's what you want. You want every year people to, when you guys get ready to think about the preseason polls, this or that, you want uh, want to be mentioned. And if you do that, you know that your program is getting to where it's, it's sustainable and knowing that if you can stay in that area, you're going to eventually get back where you want to go and that's to have a chance to win the whole thing. And we hope to be there, and uh, we think the University of Tennessee deserves that, and we're blessed to be there and have this opportunity. I've got a great coaching staff. You know, recruiting is going well. And, uh, again, if you go back, and I don't think three years ago, four years ago, anybody thought Grant Williams would be a you know first-round NBA pick. And and uh, Jordan uh, Bone, you know, Admiral Schofield, three guys get drafted, but they did, and we're happy for them. But it's going to open the door for some of these other guys to have that opportunity as well. What's to say about the league that – you guys, Auburn, LSU, you know, we're at the top. Kentucky and Florida should be back up. Um, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they've all had turns of rising up and down. But there, it seems like their opportunities are there. South Carolina finishes fourth but don't make the tournament, you know, for these teams to cycle near the top. Well, I think when you look at the coaches in the league, Andy, I mean, we got some really experienced coaches that have been doing this a long time. And when you have coaches that have been around a long time, we all understand that talent, you got to have talent. And so I think our league has recruited really well the last couple of years and will continue to recruit really well. I think our league has transformed from being, I mean, you think about the SEC, it's not just football. It's not, you know, but if you look at the football, you look at the baseball, you look at the women's basketball, you look at the track and field, all those Olympic sports, basketball should be a big part of it. And I think we're getting there. Are we there? Are we there yet? We got to sustain it. You know, we, we've had some great years, but now we got to stay there with it, which I think we'll do. And when you have older coaches, you know, older coaches are going to keep 
finding a way to get their teams better. That's what you understand about experienced coaches, that it, things might not start out well, just like you go back and look at what Frank did a year ago. He had a, a, a bumpy preseason, but yet he finished fourth in our league. And uh, that's because of his experiences. And so when you think about this league uh, and the coaches in it, you know that you got to be ready to play every single night. So you do have a little more gray hair. This is a podcast. People can't see that, but you do. How do you handle the, the stress of of what happens in the tournament? Because the last couple of years with Loyola Chicago and then this year with Purdue, I mean, it's just – it has to be incredibly stressful. How do you deal with that kind of uh, anxiety that, you, that you're dealing with on the court – in the last couple of possessions? Well, you know what? You, you, you want to play to win. Like, like I have no fault with Lamonte Turner doing what he did, trying to you know, make a game-winning defensive play by you know, contesting the shot. And you go back to Loyola. I mean, they catch lightning in a bottle. And, and you go back to this year, uh, a great story with Virginia getting knocked out a year before, winning it this year. But they had some extremely lucky plays that fell in place here. So I think the more you're in this, you realize – you got to get there. And when you get there, matchups occur, upsets occur. And so who knows how it's going to play out to the very end. But the one thing that I, that I do know, you've got to get some luck along the way too. And you're going to be in some close games and, you know, can you find a way to win them? And then uh, hope that uh, because it gets more exciting each round, but you know, the, the, the hardest part about that tournament is the devastation when it's over because it is like somebody just dropped a huge boulder on you because it ends and, and it ends the career for a lot of guys. And But um, there's nothing like it. I, I love the way our tournament captivates the country every year. And, and it's neat uh, knowing that if you can get there, you have a chance. Thanks, Rick. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Kerry Blackshear Jr. transferred from Virginia Tech. He got to the Sweet 16 for the Hokies. But he wanted to come home instead of the NBA draft, go to Orlando, play for Florida. He's up next. The SEC Preseason Player of the Year. Now, you have not even... Played one game in Florida, one game in the SEC, but your reputation precedes you. Uh, when you decided to transfer, what did you think the chances were that you would come in with all this hype and be a preseason player of the year? Uh, I didn't think about it too much. Um, had no idea what it was going to be. I was excited to be on a really good team. I was excited to um, get back to work and um, try to um, host up a national championship. Clearly, you fill a void. Um, when you were deciding which school to go to. You're obviously from Orlando, but what was it about Florida and the opening that was there for you that drew you there? Um, definitely. Um, I grew up a Florida Gator fan, so that was really great. Had a chance to fulfill a childhood dream of mine. Um, the relationships that I was able to build with my teammates at that point in time was really crucial in like my recruitment. So I was able to talk to those guys like every day, um, talk to different players. Um, the openness of our program to allow me to talk to anybody, I think that was something that made me feel really good, and I ultimately picked Florida. You've got SEC graduate on your – they can't see. This is audio, obviously, in our podcast. But um, what does that mean to you? It says SEC graduate – uh, that people will see when you wear your uniform, which you're wearing here at Media Day, but they will see that during the season. What does that mean to you? Um, I think it's a huge honor to my parents. Um, each of them um, came from humble beginnings and graduated college. So graduating college was always an expectation for me, um, me and my siblings, and just being able to represent them out there is going to be great, and they can see it now that I'm in Florida. So what happened the first time? And this, you grew up a Gator fan. What happened when you were coming out of high school? I wasn't good enough. Nah, um, I didn't get recruited by here um, too much. So um, ended up going up to Virginia Tech. Um, 
made some great relationships up there. Um, had a pretty good career, um, and then met some people who changed my life. So I think um, it came full circle, and I'm able to do something I dreamed of as a kid. Sweet 16, lost to Duke. You guys are right there. Yes, I've got Florida as one of my Final Four teams. Long way now, I know, from now. Sure. But um, what did that loss teach you about what you would want in the NCAA tournament, what you need to still do to make sure you can advance a couple more games? Um, a play... Um, a possession can change everything, could change your life. Um, and then it just really like made me appreciate the people that I was around for those four years. Um, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of work that is unseen by everybody. And then so that was a great experience that I remember forever with my um, brothers. All right. So this Florida Gator team, Andrew Nemhard, point guard back, obviously a very good leader score can do a little bit of everything what have you seen so far in practice that gives you the kind of optimism that this team could have the pieces to make a great run um just every single day everybody's going at it everybody's competing everybody's mentally and physically locked into getting better that day and not looking forward to what everybody else expects of us so i think that's going to set us apart from a lot of teams um i think we got a really good gap between older guys and younger guys so it's it's really good to have like just different opinions different understandings of the game but also people who like have a desire to grow and get better and make it to the next level and what is it what's going to be like you think for you to being on a team that in this league it's going to be florida and kentucky um for the most part that's what it's been for the last you know 10 12 years and obviously tennessee popped up lsu auburn but it really has been Florida, Kentucky. That's what it will be again, at least projection. Whereas at Virginia Tech, you know, it was always sort of in the shadows, you know, not on Tobacco Road, trying to climb up, not Virginia. In your own state, you were sort of, yeah. you know, the second child, if you will. Sure. Uh, what's that going to be like being having the target, being a team that's expected to win now? Um, I think that's something that I've learned throughout my college career, um, like just being one of those bigger name teams like you like you get a like different game from everybody um everybody's super well could potentially be your game so i'm um, always having to prepare always taking everything not taking anything for granted continuing to get better i think that's something that everybody here in this program is locked into doing and, and the other thing carrie is that you know you're a great example of someone it's okay to stay you know what i mean like you knew you weren't ready and when you finish, you will be better prepared, not just to get drafted. A lot of people of your talent can get drafted. The question is, can they actually play and stay? Um, how much do you think your plan is is moving in the right direction to do that? Uh, I think I'm sustaining like some things that will help me both on and off the court, whether it be my relationships, whether it's be continuing to work on my body, whether it's continuing to work on my shot to be a leader on the floor and off the floor. So I think these are things that are going to allow me to sustain my success in the NBA or whatever post-career like career I have following college. Thanks, Kerry. Thank you. Tom Crean, the head coach of Georgia, has got a lot of experience in coaching elite players like Victor Oladipo from Indiana and, of course, Dwayne Wade at Marquette. Well, he's got another one, Anthony Edwards. Tom, you've had a couple weeks of practice now with this freshman class led by Anthony Edwards. What's your early impressions? My early impressions is we've got good camaraderie and uh, there's a togetherness that's brewing. Uh, We've got to develop leadership. We've got to develop a, a place where we're not just playing to play, but we're really playing to win. And I think what happens so many times when you're scrimmaging, uh, the competitiveness is there. 
but then so is working on your game. And what they've got to understand is, no, we've got to win the game. We've got to win this segment. And, and that's the bottom line because we don't have the experience to fall back on as a college basketball team. And we'll start to get that with our exhibition. We'll start to get that with playing Charlotte in a charity exhibition. But then before you know it, here we go. So everything that we can do to understand what causes us to lose and then what it takes to win is good. And that with a young team is, is easier said than done. But that's what we're working on on a consistent basis. And we've got a lot of willing listeners. We talked in the offseason. I mean, you've coached a lot of elite players from Victor Oladipo to Dwayne Wade. Uh, what have you seen early on in, with Anthony Edwards that uh, puts him on a pretty good track? Well, I think with Anthony, the more I'm around him, he's very smart. Very, very smart. That only took – and, and smart as a person, but he's also smart as a basketball player. And I think he picks things up well, quickly, uh, which serves him well. But I think the biggest thing with him, Andy – is he doesn't even have a clue how good he can be. He doesn't have a clue how fast he can be. He doesn't have a clue how, how consistent he can be with that speed. He really doesn't understand yet how elite of a defender he should become, all right? Not only can become, but should become because it can serve him well with us, but it can serve him well for a lot of years. And he's got a strength and athleticism and explosiveness that's really unique. Uh, he's got a very strong skill level. But I think now the most important thing is that level of consistency, that not settling for shots, that continue to play at that speed and pace that comes from conditioning and mindset. And as he gets that, he's going to be an elite guard. There's no doubt. If you're playing well in February, what's that Georgia team going to look like? That's a good question because we're not anywhere close to our identity right now. I mean, I think in this league, you can't even scratch it if you're not a, a rebounding team. And I say, so I think for us, we're not as big. We've got to be an all five rebounding team. We've got to be a guard rebounding team. Uh, I think our speed has got to be good. I think we've got to be very, very good on our decision making on the break. But I would hope that could come and that, that we're getting good shots. But the biggest thing has got to be for us, I think, if we're playing well, we have strength in numbers. And that means that we've stayed relatively injury-free. Guys have continued to develop. They can play multiple positions. They're versatile players. They play both ends. And then the bottom line, I think, for how far we're going to go is are we making jump shots? You know, last year, Tom, you were everywhere and getting kids to, you know, on campus to come to the games. I mean, you, you just did a great job social media wise to just get people interested in the program. Now in year two, uh, how much have you seen that pay off to where maybe you don't have to do that as much that they want to be there without being pushed? Well, I think we still have to do it, but we've sold out all our season tickets. That happened last week, which is the first time that's ever happened in the history of Georgia basketball. So now we're selling uh, ticket packages and single game tickets. I'm not even sure single game tickets are available yet, but that's a big deal, right? That's a huge deal. And we had a really good Stegmania event. Now we just got to get them there and then they've got to really help us win and, and, and help us understand, you know, when that game is in the crux, how do they help us win? But I, I love the energy that people have for it. I think they see the energy that we have. I think the biggest thing is going to be, are they going to help us through this? Because we're going to have to grow up. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And if you're sitting anywhere in the front row of the first four or five rows, you cannot be looking at your phone. You cannot be drinking something because you could get nailed in the face with an errant pass because it's going to take a while for us to understand the value of that basketball. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome, Andy. Thank you. And coming up next year on March Madness 365, Chad Acock from Turner Sports going to challenge me on all my SEC locks and bubbles. And now joining me here on March Madness 365 from Turner Sports, Chad Acock. And Chad, um, it's time for this part of our podcast as we continue our conference theme. 
this week. It is the SEC for you to challenge me on my locks, bubble, and team sort of out of the mix. Let's start off with the locks, Chad. I've got four right now in the SEC, Kentucky, Florida, LSU, and Auburn. Uh, Those are the four locks. I've got a massive bubble, massive in the SEC. So your locks, I can't really argue with that, but I I feel like the SEC this year, we're going to see a tiered system. I think Kentucky and Florida, everybody's got those teams in the top 10. Uh, From then on out, though, I've I've got four more teams that I could see as a lock. I think you could put these teams in any order between three and six in the standings. Uh, but I do like LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama also uh, to make the to make the dance as a lock. I think Alabama, NATO, he's really going to get those guys going. Uh, they got Beetle Bolden, a uh, grad transfer from West Virginia. What you could really see, and as of this recording, we don't know, uh, Javon Quinterly. If he's eligible this year, look out for Alabama. So that's, you know, that's generous. I took a wait-and-see approach with Alabama. You know, Kira Lewis uh, ended up being a second-team preseason All-SEC, and... I just want to wait and at least see Alabama in the first couple of weeks of the season before I even put them in the power 36 consideration. So I, I took that approach with them. Tennessee, I have the faith. Uh, there's no question that, you know, Lamonte Turner is going to lead this team, but it's going to be different. No Grant Williams, no Admiral Schofield. They're going to have to be, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a Rick Barnes 2.0 because he was able first sort of period of time in Knoxville to get old and then stay old for two seasons. Now it's a little bit of a reboot. I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament, but I, I just wanted to hold off on the lock status. You know, LSU, good recruiting class. Uh, Skylar Mays is, is coming back to lead them. Uh, you know, I, I feel like they're going to to, to be not the champs like they, we saw last season, but they will be a solid three, four, five team. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Auburn, in talking to Bruce Pearl, they are bigger, but not slower, he said. They're not going to shoot as well, but he thinks they're still going to be able to play as fast. So I have confidence. We saw what they did where they had, uh, you know, the outdoor uh, event over the weekend where the fans are just, you know, loving this team. So I think the, their home schedule should be solid for them. You know, they play in Brooklyn, where they could match up against Wisconsin early in the season. That should be a good barometer for Auburn. And as you said, Kentucky and Florida are clearly the two favorites. I've got Florida as a potential Final Four team. I think both of them could be in Atlanta uh, with Florida's addition to Kerry Blackshear Jr. as that missing piece, adding Scotty Lewis as a freshman. Kentucky having the veteran bigs come back, Ashton Hagen's at the point. Such great buzz about Tyrese Maxey and Khalil Whitney. So that's all positive. Uh, you know, the, the schools that are in that bubble group in that sort of third tier or second tier, however you want to divide it, Mississippi State, Reggie Perry could be the best board man in the country. Ole Miss with their guard play uh, certainly puts them in this grouping. I would do- totally undersold them in the, in the summer. So I've readjusted that. Uh, South Carolina, I put them in that grouping as well, led by A.J. Lawson. Uh, and then, you know, the question is, uh, with two of them, actually, Georgia, Anthony Edwards, is he enough to lead Georgia into the NCAA tournament? And then Arkansas under Eric Musselman. Now, they've had some injuries, but uh, and Isaiah Joe, you know, should be the kind of player that Eric Musselman wants to coach. Uh, and he's going to try to get them to go up and down, maybe not as much as, obviously, uh, you know, Nolan or even Mike Anderson. But, you know, they're another grouping. And I'll tell you one other school when I was at SEC Media Day, 
that everyone told me don't sleep on, and that's Texas A&M. They're a big unknown, a lot of new guys. Buzz Williams never finishes sort of at the bottom of a league. So they're the they're the unpredictable team in the SEC right now. They could be this year's Ole Miss, a school that we didn't have on the radar and suddenly jumps up and finishes in the top eight. Yeah, let's let's break down some of these teams. You said you kind of whiffed on Ole Miss on your first go at it. Uh, I do think they're going to be – I think they're on the inside of this bubble. Brian Tyree, what a season he had last year. The SEC's leading score is back this year. By the way, uh, when I say it, I whiffed, see, you're you're like – we should be equal branches of government here. Like you need to be the check and balance. So when I whiff, you know, don't be afraid to call me on it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Andy. What did uh, what did Kermit say to you at SEC Media Day? Oh, I mean, he was just it was just so funny actually because coincidentally, I was standing outside when they arrived, and you know, it was a big joke that I was greeting them. They of course posted it on social media. So you know, there I was to eat my crow right off the bat because here comes Ole Miss. And no, he just, you know, he thinks with their guard play, Devontae Shuler and Brian Tyree, they've got the guard play. The question for them, you know, clearly will be, do they have the front court? Uh, you know, are they going to be able to board? And are they going to have the rim protector? You know, someone like right. Blake Hinson, I mean, he's going to have to play bigger. So if they've got the inside game to balance their backcourt, then there's no question. They're in the tournament and they're a factor. They're going to be able to push the basketball. They're going to shoot well from the perimeter. But the question will be, do they have the front court to stay and hang in that top eight? Yeah, that's what we'll be watching for. I feel like Ole Miss, they really do like embracing the chip-on-the-shoulder mentality, you know, where you had them in the rankings a few weeks ago. And then even last year when they were predicted to finish last in the SEC uh, before actually making the tournament. So they embrace that mentality. Let's touch on a, on a couple more teams here that you mentioned, Andy. Uh, South Carolina. They lost Chris Silva, Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC. They lost Hassani Gravit. I know they've got A.J. Lawson, but what other reasons do you see South Carolina as being in that bubble discussion? Well, Kotzer's back, and you know he played on that Final Four team, so he's an anchor inside. He's not a big-time scorer, but he takes up space, and I think that's you know a, a key player for them. Uh, and look, they're young. They, they, they've they've brought in younger guys, so they got freshmen and sophomores. Uh, who are going to have to basically grow up pretty fast. But look, Frank Martin is someone that, uh, uh, you know, when he speaks, I think he knows, you know, obviously he knows what he's talking about. And he doesn't usually sort of, uh, you know, pump up his team if it's not deserving. And he firmly believes that this group will be in the mix for a bid. Last year, they did not play well early in the season. That's why they didn't get in the NCAA tournament because people forget they finished fourth. They were the fourth seed in the SEC tournament, but just didn't have the overall body of work to get into the NCAA tournament. So the question is, will they play well early in the season, come up with a couple of those non-conference wins that will alleviate the pressure of having to put it all on the SEC? Okay, so we've talked about some of these bubble teams. Which of the bubble teams do you have currently in the tournament, Andy? So as of now, I have... Tennessee, Mississippi State, and uh, I actually put South Carolina in. In hindsight, I would probably switch now Ole Miss and South Carolina, put Ole Miss in South Carolina, you know, on the other side for now, and then Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, right on the doorstep, could go either way. 
Okay, so you've got seven in, and you've got a handful of others that could work their way in. Yes. I saw Georgia over the weekend. I went and watched practice with Tom Crean. He was so active on the court. Uh, Jonas and Jarvis Hayes, a couple of former dogs, were over were in, were in town. Andy, they've got a ton of athleticism. The key for this team is going to be whether or not they can defend. They struggled with defense last year. I think that was the biggest difference between uh, Mark Fox and Tom Crean was was the defensive intensity. But I think I think they could certainly work their way in there if they can find a way to outscore teams. That, that's not going to be an issue with them with Anthony Edwards, you know, handling the ball a lot this season for the Dogs. Uh, but we'll just have to see what they look like on defense. I mean, do they look like an NCAA tournament team to now or? Right now, I would say no. I think I agree with your stance that they're on the wrong side of that bubble discussion. I think they've got a lot of work to do, at least defensively, because they had so many newcomers and they didn't return a lot in the front court. They lost Nick Claxton. They lost Derek Obede, uh, even Mike Edwards down low. They don't have a ton of size, but they have a ton of athleticism. You don't have to be big to rebound, but it just takes a, a group effort uh, to get that done when you're lacking those front court players like that. But we'll, we'll see what they look like over uh, during the season, they'll be in that Maui Invitational, uh, so they'll definitely get tested early. Well, and the other game that we're going to have to look for with Georgia, uh, you know, is their game January 4th at Memphis. Uh, you've got Edwards and James Wiseman, uh, you know, on the court, and, and that'll be a great barometer because at that point, you're right before they get into the SEC, and that's the kind of game that if you can steal it on the road, that could do wonders for their profile. That's right. And by then, they'll at least have some experience, some games, you know, under their wing with all these new freshmen, even the grad transfer they brought in. Um, But some of these other teams, Andy, these teams we've mentioned on the wrong side of the bubble, which team from that group do you have the most confidence at least getting in the tournament? Of the wrong side of the bubble, uh, if I have to pick one, and you are asking me to pick one, um, I guess I'm going to lean South Carolina. Just a hair over Alabama. And I could be wrong on that, but um, I've got faith in Frank Martin. Yeah, I guess that's where we just differ. And I'm so high on Alabama. I think Kyra Lewis and John Petty and uh, Herb Jones, they've just had so much talent. I just think their talent will outweigh uh, everything else. Now that they have Nate Oates, I think that coach will really just just put it all together uh, for the tie this year. But Andy... We're wrapping up our preseason coverage here. We've got one more. We got the Big Twelve next week, and then the regular season will be here. That's right. We got Big Twelve. We'll, we'll have a Big Twelve themed podcast next week, and then right after that, uh, we're going to have all four coaches, Champions Classic, leading into the tip off of the college basketball season. You'll hear from Duke head coach Mike Shashevsky, Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo, Kansas head coach Bill Self, and Kentucky head coach John Calipari to get you ready. Uh, right, it'll be released late the night before, and then that morning of the Champions Classic, you and I will both be in New York City for that. Uh, last year in Indianapolis, great event. Anytime an event like that to tip off the season in Madison Square Garden, uh, the place will be packed. Uh, we remember what happened last year. We're going to talk about all this, obviously, over the next couple of weeks. But last year, uh, it's when the country got to know Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. And so we'll have to wait and see uh, if uh, someone like Tyrese Maxey or Cleo Whitney you know, has a night like that for Kentucky or Cassius Winston, who's a preseason player of the year, you know, basically has a stellar performance that everyone remembers or Yudoka Azabuke, you know, coming back for Kansas, um, you know, or is it Vernon Carrier, Wendell Moore, Trey Jones, you know, from Duke. Uh, someone's going to have an evening that night that we're going to remember and be talking about certainly for the ensuing couple of weeks. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. My thanks to all our guests from the SEC and to Chad. 
And as always, you can check out our podcast wherever you download your podcast. And make sure you follow all our coverage on NCAA.com and, of course, all our March Madness social media handles. That's where we bring you coverage the entire season, the entire sport, all year round. Thanks for listening.